Hello there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of pureandsimplebible.com, and I'm so thankful to have a continued conversation with Brother Todd Richardson called Voices and Choices. If you didn't listen to part one, you really need to pause this episode and go back and get part one. Before you jump into this one, it'll make a whole lot more sense, and the study will be fuller, richer, and the context for the scriptures that we're studying will make more sense. I hope that if you did listen, then you also remember that there's three big points. We're going to review them in just a minute before we jump into the new parts of the study, but we're interested in whose voice we're listening to and, and what sort of counsel ought we to receive, what sort of counsel ought we to ignore. And Todd has done a really good job of showing us from the Scriptures that it's important that we heed wise counsel and that we understand that that wise counsel, when it comes to spiritual matters, right, is Bible-based, it's speaking from the voice of God, the voice of truth, and it's not just us listening to a popular opinion that other people are going along with for the sake of popularity alone. Now, uh, we're going to jump back into the study. We're going to review it real quick from the previous episode, and then we'll get into the new content. So let's jump in, shall we? You've got uh, a very intriguing scripture. We're still in this third point, right? The right. take heed who you hear. So for our listeners' sake, you know, we've been talking now for about 40 minutes, and let me give them a, a kind of a roadmap of where we've been uh, in case maybe somebody's out on a long drive and uh, they've, they've kind of been in and out of, of listening. I want to remind our listeners that, number one, we take heed that we hear. Number two, we take heed how we hear. And we're in this, this big concept of point number three, take heed who we hear. And we're talking about making sure that we're um, listening properly uh, to the, the ones who are giving the counsel. And you have a, a pretty large section in your notes about a, a narrative in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 13. What is this narrative and uh, what's going on here? Let's get some context to it before you make your big points. Yeah, it's a really... <laughs> It's one of these really interesting uh, narratives in, 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 in the Bible. And so it's found in 1 Kings chapter 13. And it starts off talking about this young, unnamed prophet of God. And at this time in history, um, we know that Israel has now been divided. And the king of Israel at this time was Jer Jeroboam. And he's an evil king. And he is really leading the nation of Israel into practice of idolatry and they're they're having worship that is in total opposition to the will of God. And so there's this young prophet and he makes a prophecy that that a king will rise up in Israel and get rid of idol practices. And of course this does take place. And after the young prophet spoke out against the idol worship, uh, King Jeroboam, he he's not happy with what he's hearing this prophecy. And it, he takes it personal. And so he he stretches out his hand and he points to the young prophet and he's telling his guards, arrest this young prophet or young, arrest this man. And as he does this, by the power of God, the king's hand is withered. And not only that, but this altar, this idol altar where they had been offering these sacrifices to these uh, other so-called gods, it, it breaks down and breaks apart and all the ashes pour out. So these two big events happen. 
he, he stretches forth his arm. He points at the, uh, the young prophet who's prophesied sort of against him and what is evil. His arm withers and this altar just breaks down and, and all the ashes pour out. Mm-hmm. When this happens, uh, even though he, he doesn't really have a, he's not really repenting per se, he does realize, at least for, on the short term, that, that, hey, you know, this is, this is wrong and uh, God is clearly angry with me. So he begs the prophet, he says, entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand be restored. And so the Bible tells us that the young prophet does uh, entreat the favor of the Lord and, and, and his hand is restored. King Jeroboam's hand is restored. Yeah. So then I'm going to pick up with verse 7 here in this narrative in 1 Kings 13. And I'll be reading through verse 10. 1 right. Kings 13, beginning with verse 7. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God, this young prophet, said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So the young prophet went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. So Yay, you know, hooray. <laughs> he, he, he's, he listens to the, to, to the voice of God more than to this voice of this king. And, it, you know, let's, let's think about this. Wouldn't it be really, you know, wouldn't we be tempted to do exactly what this king has done? I mean, here's the king, you know, of the nation, and he's inviting you to his, his palace, and he's going to, you know, quote unquote, wine and dine you. He's going to, make you feel so special but this young prophet knows no that's not what god said he says don't don't go in your house don't eat with you don't have anything right. to drink and and don't even go back the same way you came and so he doesn't and but then it brings us it's such twists and turns in this particular narrative <laughs> right. and, and then we 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 learn of another unnamed prophet but but this prophet is an older prophet and i'm not going to go into even what I've read, but I'm sure you've studied this before. And there's a lot of speculation about maybe who this prophet was, this other prophet, this older prophet, you know, why he's no longer sort of in the good graces of God. Why is he kind of out of the game, it seems, or what's going on? And there's a lot of interesting um, application that could be applied to this, by the way. But but anyway, he hears um, about the young prophet, about what the young prophet has done. And so he hears about it, I think, through his sons. And so he then tells his, or he asks his sons, well, which way did he go when he left? And they kind of tell him. And so we we pick up in verse 14, and the old prophet now is, is seeking out this young prophet who's done the right thing. And, and the Bible begins in verse 14, it says, he asks the young prophet, are you the man of God that came from Judah? And the young prophet responds, I am. And then the old prophet asks him essentially the same thing that King Jeroboam asked him. He says, come home with me, eat bread. And again, the young prophet does the right thing. He says, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the going the way you came. When And I don't have this in my notes, but when I was reading this, I I stopped to think about how you know, you you and I are similar in that when we were born, physically born, 
we were born into a household of Christian parents and a Christian family. Right. So all that we've ever known is being in the church and, you know, not that we were born saved, but you know what I'm saying, in, in that respect and that we were, <laughs> that we, we had to go through a progression of, of, of realizing that we began to sin and then we were of an age of accountability and were baptized ourselves. But, right, right, right. but bottom line is, is that we were taught early in life about communion, about public worship, about Bible study, about baptism, about other issues that the Bible teaches about how we live our lives. And mm-hmm. at first we just do it. We just sort of, it's almost rote in that we just repeat sort of what we've been taught. But this is where good parenting comes in, that we understand at, over time why we do what we do. And then when we repeat those things, we repeat them the same way to all people. And we, we, we repeat them unashamedly. We do just like this young prophet. He's literally saying the same thing to the old prophet as he said to the king. No. This is why I don't do this. You know, it, it, you know, we could talk about, you know, social drinking or um, other types of things that young people are going to have to, you know, encounter when they go to college. Um, right. You know, we, 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 we might be told as young people, you don't do this. This is what the Bible says. And so we just kind of speak it like rote language. But at some point it has to belong to us. And we say it with conviction. No, this is what I believe. And no matter who we come into contact with and how difficult it may be to speak those words, we speak the truth in love because this is what we're convicted on. We have a resolve about our belief system. And and that's at this juncture in this story, that's how this young prophet was. He, he was convicted. He knew that this is what God's will was for him. And so up to this point, he, re- he maintains his faithfulness to God because he has heeded not the voice of the king and he has heeded not the voice of an older mentor, you might say, older prophet, somebody he might look up to, only the voice of God. But then... I wish the story ended there. You know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a, there's part of me that the, I know the tragedy that's coming and I think, oh man. But we learn, I mean, I, I believe it's a narrative that really happened. Uh, but I also think that the narrative was put in the Bible because it's meant to teach us, right? The, the New Testament tells us more than one time that the, what happened in the Old Testament happened for our learning and instruction. So exactly. anyway, I, I lament what you're about to say, knowing what's coming, but go ahead. No, and, and, so, and so what happens here is that is the same thing that happened in the very first real test in, on earth with Adam and Eve. Somebody believed a lie. Uh, Eve believed a lie and this young prophet believed a lie because the Bible tells us in verse 18 that a lie was told and he, the young prophet, was deceived. So the old prophet says, I too am a prophet as you are, which is true. But notice what he says. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back, bring the young prophet back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And then we find in the words of the scripture, he was, the old prophet was lying to him, the young prophet. Yeah. No, this reminds me of what Paul warns in Galatians chapter one, verse eight, when he says, but even if we, he's talking about apostles, I believe, even if we apostles or an angel from heaven preach 
any other gospel than what you we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Mm. It's so yeah, important. Powerful. It's so important that we expose everything anybody says to us to the word of God. We have an individual personal responsibility. Once we are of the age of accountability, we know the scriptures enough to know that we have to take what we're hearing and we have to expose them to the light of the truth every time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. That's right. Now, before you continue in the narrative, uh, maybe it's kind of related to the topic, but I'm just curious uh, how appropriate it would it have been for the young prophet to rebuke the old prophet, you know, in, in an alternate universe where he says, no, this is the word of the Lord. And, you know, the Lord rebuke you for going against him. Is it, uh, I don't know if cultural is the right word, but is it is it acceptable for the youth to rebuke the elder in this scenario? Well, you know, in terms of elders, it says not, the Bible teaches us not to receive an accusation of an elder except two or three witnesses. And it says rebuke, not an elder. But there are times where maybe, Maybe we don't necessarily have to rebuke, but we have to stand firm. And sure. we, have, we have to say, uh, basically, we have to have the same resolve that Joshua had when he said, essentially, you know, you've got to make your mind up. I'm going to paraphrase it there in Joshua 24. Is that it, I think? Uh-huh. And he says, verse 15, you know, you have to make your mind up. He's telling the rest of the leaders of, of, of Israel at that time what you're going to do, whether you're going to serve the true and living right. God or the gods that, you know, some of our ancestors served on the other side of the river, you have to make your decision. And maybe that's how the young prophet could have said to the old prophet, you know, you, you know, what you decide to do, how you decide to live, that's your decision. But as for me and my house, and then the young prophet said, but as for me, I am not going to listen to you. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to God. Right. I like to take any chances. I like that a lot. Now, unfortunately, that's not the, the way this narrative goes. Tell us what happens in verse 19. Yeah. And so the young prophet went back. He listens. He heeds. He he hears about this, you know, angel speaking to the old prophet, and he believes him. And he goes into the old prophet's house. He eats bread. He drinks water. And the interesting thing now, the tables are turned because the young prophet is the one now disobeying God. God uses the mouth of of this old prophet who's actually deceived the young prophet. He uses his mouth. God does to then tell the young prophet, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and not kept the commandment which the Lord God commanded you, but you came in, ate bread, drank water, and so forth, it says your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. They won't even Mm -hmm. bury your body in the same tomb with your ancestors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is really powerful. And so the the narrative kind of summarizes with I mean, the young prophet just gets up and leaves, right? He gets up and leaves, but the, the damage has been done. And on the way, he's on his donkey, and a lion kills the young prophet, but doesn't kill the donkey. And the interesting thing is that people are passing by on the road, and what do they see? They behold a corpse of a dead young man, and next to the young man on one side is his donkey, and on the other side is a lion. And that is just sort of strange. And so much so that people are amazed, actually. 
as they're walking by or traveling by. And here's this dead corpse. The lion hasn't eaten it. Um, and, and the lion hasn't killed or eaten the donkey. It's just both of them are standing nearby the corpse. It's just a revealing point to me that when God speaks, we have to take him serious. Right. Right. And this guy, he said the, the message of God to the, to the evil king, right? So he did what was right as far as declaring the message, but he didn't live it out. Uh, in his own life afterwards, I, you know, I kind of see that as a an additional warning: is you got to practice what you preach. That your fruits have to match uh, what you proclaim. And uh, I appreciate that this isn't some random story in the Bible just to show this, you know, uh, obscure nation and their crazy ways. But it's meant to show to the point you're making in this this whole study. It matters who you listen to, and in this point number three of about taking heed uh, to who you hear, uh, this man had heard from God directly, and then he heard from someone else, and he took heed to that counsel that was in contradiction to God's. Right. Uh, so it is a warning. It's definitely a warning, and just a little bit of an extra point that I, I'm picking up what you're saying too about, you know, it's it starts off so well he's doing things so well but he doesn't finish well and that is you know that is a theme throughout the bible really it's not just how we start it's how we finish you know jesus said he that shall endure until the end the same shall be saved good point the inference there is those who don't endure will not be saved and you know we see that in paul's writings um paul uses uh, you know different types of illustrations of, of, you know, of journeys or, or running, you know, a race and so forth. And we have to understand a Hebrew writer talks about it as well. We have to understand that, that, that we have, we can start down the, our Christian life and do so many things right. And then at some point, I think what happens is we just kind of get lax about, uh, who we're paying attention to and who we're listening to. And it, we don't begin to realize that we're not, we're just not focused on Jesus. Remember the Hebrew writer says, uh, but fix our eyes upon Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's ultimately why it's so important. You brought up in the beginning of this recording about your family worship. This is why it's so important that we're constantly praying without ceasing, that we're, studying God's word, that we are beseeching the throne of mercy, that we're asking God to guide us because we are, we are fallible and we can fail. And it would be so sad to be like this young prophet brother and to do so many things and teach so many people and bring so many people to Christ and then find ourselves lost in the devil's hell because mm-hmm. we, we just kind of took our eyes off Jesus towards the end. Mm-hmm. That that is that's a tragedy indeed to have started on the narrow way and then not even, I guess, realize that you moved into the the broad way because you just you stopped running the race. Right. Um, you have in 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 your big main points, right? You, you've given us three uh, points about taking heed, taking heed to. Uh, that we hear, how we hear, who we hear, 
And then you shift as you start to wrap the study up. So here we are beginning to wrap it up. There's there's more points to be made. But as we start to move towards the end, you, you become very uh, specific. And you say, number four, hear his voice and live. So now we're not just taking heed anymore. You are imploring the listener to hear his voice and live. Can you uh, encourage our listeners with that? Well, yeah. And one of the scriptures that just popped in my head is when Jesus is given that that great discourse at Jerusalem uh, in John's gospel, he'll say at one point in John 6, 63, he says, uh, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, you know, and that's the thing that we have to understand is so much of what we're listening to today is dead. These words are dead. They will do us no good at, at all. And so we're living in a time where, you know, I know we want to be entertained almost 24-7, but we need to stop and, and grow up as Christians and realize that a lot of this is just dead weight weighing us down. And again, Hebrews 12 about, you know, about the sin and the weight which so easily besets us or holds us back. It's not always sometimes an obvious sins that do that. It's those things that just, just, the dead weight that just wears us down and weighs us down. And so the, the things that's coming from God are, are, you know, the word of God is quick or living and powerful. These are real lively words. You know, we should be lively stones, as the Bible says, you know, uh, built, being built as part of the, of the church. And so we need, to, we need to be able to differentiate between stuff that's just, it's just stuff. It's filler. It's entertainment. But it's, it's, it could cost a, us our soul versus things that really uh, are eternal in nature. Uh, James talks about, um, you know, it's the engrafted word, which is able to save men's souls. James one twenty one, And, you know, twice uh, the father, uh, while Jesus was on the earth, twice, uh, once during Jesus, after his baptism by John, which Jesus didn't need to be baptized, as in for the remission of sins. It was to set an example, I believe. Um, and then, and then uh, on Mount Transfiguration, um, twice the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And at least in one of them, he says, hear him, hear him. Um, and so that's who God, our Father, wants us to listen to. He wants us to completely uh, mold our identity mm-hmm. in his Son. Um, and so we've got to follow his voice. I think one of the greatest examples of sort of a, you might say, a, um, a culmination of everything that we've said so far about the three main points that we should hear, uh, how we hear, and who we hear is found in the example of the Bereans as found in Acts 17. And the Bible says in verse 11 that the Bereans who at this stage in which this was written by Luke, they hadn't obeyed the gospel yet. They were, they were listening to what Paul and others were preaching. And so they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. What did they do? Well, they listened. They received with all readiness. But then what did they do? They compared. They used the scriptures, the old covenant scriptures, and they used them as the light of God. And they searched the scriptures daily whether out to, to find out whether those things were so. And so they listened. They received it. They received what, what was being taught but then they compared it to make sure that it was right. That word searched there, where it says, and they searched the scriptures in Acts 17, 11, the Bereans, that word search comes from a Greek word, which means to distinguish as to investigate. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm, I'm never, I, I think I can, I can ask you this question. I, I think I know the answer. You're the same as I. I'm never put off if anybody, including my wife and children, and I say something in a private Bible study at home or publicly in church, and on the way home, our kids and my wife have, have gone and say, um, I don't think you're right on this. <laughs> and at first I might be like, well, what do you mean? You know, but they have shown me where I've not, maybe I misquoted something and it was out of, you know, wrong, it was wrong book, chapter, verse, or sometimes my point right. is just not right. Right. Look, as yeah. we, we should never get to a point where we realize that we could be wrong and we, we don't want anybody to be led astray. Right. Agreed. Totally agree. Uh, I actually have my Bible open right now to Acts 17 so that I could I have I have wide margins uh, in the scripture. And I wanted to write down because I, I really enjoy uh, the the Greek word an, anachron. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. Right. Right. And you right. just mentioned uh, searching the scriptures or in the ESV that I read, it says examining the scriptures and uh, that word to distinguish as to investigate. And uh, yeah, these are people who, when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, man, they're hungry. Yes. And that's kind of what I want. I want to be hungry like that. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, this, this is, this reveals if we're investigating what we're hearing, we're really search, we're distinguishing as to investigate. What it reveals is, is that we're taking this very serious. Yeah. If we're not, then it's the opposite. We're not mm-hmm. taking it as serious. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it really what that proves is that maybe our faith in God through Jesus Christ isn't really what it should be. Mm. You know, because faith would say, real faith, real strong faith would say, this is too important to foul up. I'm not taking any chances here. Right. I'm not going to take, take for gospel everything that you're saying no matter who you are, I'm going to make sure that that I'm looking at this through the scriptures. Right. Well, if if that's true, you know, Todd, the thing you just said, then what this would lead me to do is going to be your fifth point. Uh, so great transition. Your fifth uh, big point in this study is that we're going to follow his voice. And you make the point that it's not enough to hear it's not enough to even compare. It it has to be that we follow, that is, we obey the master's voice, right? That's, that's exactly right. If if we just hear, even if it's not passive hearing, if we're actually listening intently, but we make no changes, then even though I don't have this scripture here, I, I quote from Jesus in John's gospel, then we're like that person that James says, where the word of God is like a mirror and we, we go to it mm-hmm. then we get away from it. We don't obey it. We're not doers of the word or the work and we're just hearers and we forget what kind of person we are. And, and so yeah. therefore that's the danger that a lot of people do. They go to a lot of gospel meetings. They listen to a lot of podcasts. They read the Bible, but they're not putting it into practice. Right. right. And so, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John eight twelve. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Mm-hmm. Light of life. Uh, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Not just mm. hear me, not just hear me, but follow me. They change 
their identity. Let us not, you know, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove God's will, you know, uh, by being conformed into the image of his dear son. And then John 18, 37, Pilate asks Jesus, are you a king? Then Jesus answers, you say rightly that I'm a king for this cause I was born, for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice and by by extension obeys my voice. And mm-hmm. so we're not of the truth. We It don't matter that we go to a church that, espouses the correct doctrine and 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 practices the correct doctrine of regarding public worship and all that doesn't make any difference about all that uh, on an individual basis if we don't actually apply monday through saturday and sunday afternoon or whatever we don't apply what we are hearing we've got to apply it there's got to be some reproving some self-correction, self-evaluation, self-reflection. I mean, even baked in within the uh, communion, within the Lord's Supper, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is a, Paul said, I die daily. This, is, this has got to be our mantra as Christians that we never think that we are safe, that we can float and everything will turn out okay. But we have to constantly attune our ears to hear and to prepare our feet to walk in his way. You know, I was, uh, to go along with what you're saying, I was just reading in Romans chapter 7 a couple days ago, and I'd like to share it with you. And I know we're we're running out of time, so we got to get to the conclusion of this. Well, no, um, read this because this is actually one of my favorite chapters. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love this chapter. Well, Romans chapter 7, verse 4. And my mind works. I'm a visual learner. And so even when I'm reading block text, like paragraphs, I will visually take that paragraph and turn it into chunks. And, and I'll, I'll visualize little arrows that point from one to the next. Because a lot of times statements are made that then lead into the next point. So mm-hmm. as I read this sentence to you, I want you to see it as three independent thoughts where one is pointing to the next. And I'll try to emphasize it. Romans 7 verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. So that you may belong to one another. I'm sorry, let me reread that. So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So the way I see that is we've died to the law, and that points to we belong to another, and that points to we bear fruit for God. That's right. You could even take that in reverse. We bear fruit because we belong, because we've died to the law. That's right. And so to this this big point that you're making about um, obedience, man, I, I bang the obedience drum as frequently as I can because I feel like our our friends in denominations that look at at good works and obedience like it's uh, works of merit, and they think that what we're preaching is you know uh, that I can somehow 
um, you know, negotiate with God on the day of judgment. Salvation. Right. And I try to tell them that is totally not what this is about. No. But but what you have to be honest with is that faith in the book of Romans and everywhere else, faith means that not only do I hear, but I believe and I obey what God says. Well, even Christ, you know, the Bible says, though he were son, yet learned he obedience by the things in which he suffered. You know, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he, he's exemplified obedience for us. Well, brother, why don't you, uh, if, if it's okay, uh, you get ready for that, the conclusion. And what I'm going to do just real quick is uh, remind our listeners of the five big points. You know, maybe if somebody likes to, to write down notes, they could have these written down next to one of the scriptures from your study, maybe from next to Colossians chapter two, and that way they'll be able to meditate on them. And uh, these points are take heed that you hear, take heed how you hear, take heed who you hear, then hear his voice and live and follow his voice. And you had said back at the beginning that you wanted to save something for the end. So I want to give you an opportunity to, to share that thought now. Thank you. And this, you asked me at the very beginning, kind of what caused me to want, you know, to even come up with the, the title of this and, and kind of the study of this. Well, actually, it was a song that was written and released in 2003 um, by a Christian contemporary group called Casting Crowns. And it was their debut album. Uh, and it was the third single release from that debut album about 20 years ago, because we're in 2023 now. So 20 years ago. And the song's title is Voice of Truth. Mm-hmm. And the lead singer of the band, a man by the name of Mark Hall, and his friend, another pretty well-known Christian contemporary artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman, wrote the song Voice of Truth. And it came from Mark Hall's childhood experience. And, and basically what, what it was is he had dyslexia. And of course, dyslexia is a neurodevelopment disorder that often affects a person's ability to read, write, spell, and and so it caused him a lot of struggles when he was in school as a young person, uh, created a lot of fear. And he said, and I quote, the beginnings of this song came from the first song I ever wrote called Fear. Growing up with dyslexia and s- some learning challenges, he said, Satan used that in my life to keep me very small and very afraid to ever try anything, to ever leap out of my boat and do something that I knew I couldn't do. And so he, mm. he talked about, how that he's, he just had to finally completely stop listening to those voices and, and, and stop being afraid. And, and I cannot hear this, the chorus, the lyrics of the chorus of this song, that I don't get a little bit emotional because that's been a problem in my past and continues to be, that I become afraid or become angry or become a person that I don't want to be because I'm listening to voices that are not the voice of truth. Mm-hmm. I'm making my choices, errant choices, because of those voices. But, but we, we notice the, the, the chorus and it, it goes, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And then this is the best part to me. Out of all the voices calling out to me, boy, there's a lot of them. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. And that line there is really why I decided to put together this sermon. 
is I will choose. See, there's no indifference about that. There's no apathy. It is an absolute intentional thought. I will choose. I am resolved to listen to and believe the voice of truth. Job said, I cherish his word more than my daily bread. We have to, have to, have to constantly encourage one another to be in the word every day. Every day. Because that's the voice that we should be listening to every day. Yeah, we're going to hear other voices. And we can compare what they're saying. But we've got to listen to the voice of truth. Amen. I'm going to go jam to some casting crowns whenever we get done recording because now now you've got that song going in my head um what a powerful ending because uh i am familiar with uh the bible's number one command concept meaning the the scriptures that uh state the same command the most it is as follows do not be afraid do not be afraid. and I think it's over 600 times either do not be afraid or fear not or you know don't worry is used and we can either believe that's an accident and it's just random or you can believe it's intentional and it seems like the intentionality is that we as people uh frequently need to be reminded do not be afraid and listen to as this song suggests and as the scripture suggests the voice of truth which reminds us who we belong to and so I, I'm so thankful for the way you ended that. Brother, do you have uh, maybe a final word or a piece of encouragement you'd like to share before we wrap up? I don't know that I've actually checked this out, but I've been told that, you know, you, you mentioned that the number one phrase or thought in the Bible is do not fear, do not be afraid. But the second most is interesting because it is fear God. Mm-hmm. So even it. even though we are not to be afraid and talks about all the things outside, the one thing we are to be to fear is in a reverent fear, as a loving fear, you know, a That's fear right. is fear the fear God and and trust Him, and uh, and really that is the isn't that the conclusion of the whole matter? Mm-hmm. That's right. Fear God and keep His commandments. Amen. Well, brother, I am so glad that we had this time together, Same. and I'm grateful for your work and your friendship. And uh, I just wish you all the best. I pray that God bless you. And thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Jonathan. And I appreciate you so much and Marissa and the kids and what you're doing and the, the work that you're doing in Texas and all over, really, and what you've done worldwide. And we love you guys and look forward to seeing you down the road. Wasn't that great? That was just a fantastic conversation. I was so encouraged by Brother Todd's study. I actually uh, texted him after we recorded this and said, hey, man, can I preach this at my home congregation? I really, there's some, there's just several who I feel like would really be encouraged by the study. So uh, thankfully he agreed and let me uh, borrow his notes. So one of the, I guess, perks of being the host of this is I get access to a lot of people's study notes. And this one was one that I really felt like people needed to hear. Uh, I resonated with the point that he made at the end of the study, um, with that song by Casting Crowns called The Voice of Truth, I have two very special, very special people in my life who are dyslexic. And I'm not dyslexic. I grew up in a family that did not have anyone who was dyslexic in it. So I didn't really know how it, dyslexia worked. But some of the, 
the struggles that come from it, you know, the, the emotional, mental struggles that come from it, being ostracized, um, people that don't understand it tend to, you know, conflate or make more out of this issue than it simply being a neurodevelopmental disorder. Anyway, uh, that was a very special point for me to hear because of those in my life who have dyslexia, and I hope that they're encouraged by that message. And I want you to know that Todd, man, if he doesn't have a voice for radio, I don't know who does. He has a golden voice, doesn't he? Uh, some people say that I have a face for radio, maybe if you're familiar with that joke. But Todd has definitely has a voice for radio, and I hope to have him back on because uh, not only is he just easy to listen to, but he is also a studious um, servant of, of the Lord who studies well and is very insightful. When any chance I get to spend time with Todd, we're, we're hanging out, we're talking. I've held a meeting up there at his home congregation in, um, in Houston, Missouri, and he'd be over at the place that I was staying at, and we'd be drinking coffee at you know 5.30 in the morning, and we'd just talk for hours. So I love that man, and I'm appreciative of his good work and of his family. So thank you, brother. And... I love you too, listener. I want you to know that. God loves you very much, and I love you, and I'm so glad that you uh, steadily listen to this program. I'm grateful for the support uh, as I go around the country, and I do get the chance to talk to people. It's so encouraging to hear that people are still listening to this podcast. It's been nearly, um, I'm going to say, five years since it started, and uh, off and on, I've, I've done my best to put out an episode each week. But I'm so thankful for all your encouragement. And so I'll, I'll, I'll tune out, even though I've already told you I loved you, I'll tune out with the same message that I try to every week. And that is, that you always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon He was a man like me